I'm Pastor Philip Jackson, and this is the Married Now What podcast. Our goal is to provide young couples with the resources they need to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. We are so glad that you're here. Let's get to the lesson. Whose voice can calm any wave, Jesus? Let me, let me help us get caught up real quick. Um, we started out, and we were looking at the seven stages of life. And um, <clears throat> the apprentice stage, Levi, you're already seated, aren't you? Um, the, uh, the apprentice stage is actually, it used to be, if you'll give everybody one of those, it used to be about age 18 to 30, or usually when, when the kids <coughs> begin to leave the house. Uh, you'll see on your sheet, though, that I've actually put on there age 20 to 30 because kids are hanging around a little longer these days. And uh, so that will get you caught up. We're not going to go into detail over those, but let me encourage you to, to look those, scripture up, uh, those scriptures up and uh, take a peek at, uh, at what they say. Now, this, I'm going to give you a copy of this sheet. This is actually all seven stages, which goes from birth um, actually to the final stage, which comes after death, okay? And that's, con- that's called the heritage stage. And that really is those things that, that, that are left after you uh, are deceased, what you've left to others. So if you don't mind... And just by way of review, the foundation stage is birth to six. You have all of the scripture uh, that corresponds to those character qualities. Then the the training stage, which is six to 12. The skill stage was the last one that we really went into detail on. That's 12 to 18 or 20, depending on when they leave. And then that apprentice stage, from uh, from 18, 20 to about 30. Then there is a ministry stage, which is 30 to 50, which, which is that's when your child would actually focus on their public ministry. Council stage is 50 to death, and then the heritage stage. So not going to go into a lot of detail on that, but I did want to be able to make sure that you had that information. So... Today, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to look at um, parenting styles. Now, let me just share a couple of things with you before we get into that. Um, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not going to share a lot of scripture as we go through these parenting styles. Let me tell you how we came about this information. This information is actually two huge studies uh, that were done, one by the University of Minnesota, another by Harvard, the University of Harvard University, but also um, really what we saw and what we experienced when we were working at Shadow Mountain Institute. Kim was the charge nurse for the girls' unit at SMI, and I was the senior counselor for the latency-age uh, children. Um, 
So, but here's, here's the challenge I'm going to give to you. While I'm not going to spend a lot of time going to specific passages, what I want you to do as we go through and we look at these different parenting styles, what I want you to do is I want you to think as you read through Scripture, and I want you to identify that parenting style that is shown in Scripture, okay? And there are four basic styles. And um, the interesting thing is, we get everybody okay? Okay, thanks. <clears throat> Each style yields certain consequences, okay? So each parenting style yields different consequences, and, and, and we see that pretty consistently. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is you're going to be able to see what... You're going to get a good feel for the parenting style that your parents had when you were a child and you were being raised, okay? And you're going to go, oh, that's, that's, that's where that fits. And maybe you'll think, that's why I am the way I am, okay? Because there are, there are consequences for different styles. Let me encourage you to um, not focus so much on that, but realize that um, God, when, when, he, when you come to know Him and you begin to walk with God, that's that's the beginning of what he wants you to do. So don't focus on what your parents did and where uh, and the consequences of maybe what that brought to you, but what God wants you to do moving forward. Okay? And again, as you read through scripture, think, um, oh well that parent treated their kid that way, and so they kind of fit in that parenting style. Okay. <laughs> they, that, that's right. Because guess what? They probably didn't go through this study. Okay. All right. Uh, the first one we're going to look at, it's, it's listed there as authoritarian or dominant. And um, I'm just going to share with you some of the characteristics of that type of a parent, and it's possible. Maybe your maybe your parents were that way. Now, sometimes, sometimes mom may be one thing, and dad the other, and so there's a little bit of uh, kind of mixing of these styles. Okay, so you may have experienced more than one. All right. So here are some characteristics of the dominant or the authoritarian parent. They have extremely high standards, okay? Their standards are extremely high. That was the case in, in our household. My dad was a, um, he was a staff sergeant in the Air Force, and um, I think Kim would confirm when we got married, I had lived under, I had lived under a sergeant. And I mean, the way your clothes were hung in, in the closet, uh, had to be a certain way, the way they were folded a certain way. Levi, where are they? Yeah, the, am I talking? Am, does that make sense to you? Uh-huh. And so, I mean, that was ex that was exactly what I was raised under. Very, very high. Um, learning styles also lead to some 
expectations you might experience Yes. Yes. Did you hear what she said? So the 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 parenting style that you were raised under, you bring that into your marriage. Okay? By the way, those of you that don't know, this is my wife, Kim. This is Kim. Seven kids. You just you're just glad. And I saw Becca smiling a while ago because she's walked down that road. Okay, so they have very high standards. They have also they have very high expectations. Okay? Have high expectations. The next thing is they are seldom they they seldom offer warm, caring support. Okay. It, it, it's almost as if this type of parent places their kids on a performance basis. Okay. Remember, high standards, high expectations. Very seldom would say, great job. Hey, buddy, you did, you knocked that out of the park. Okay? So they, they offer, they seldom offer warm, caring support. They give few explanations for their rigid rules. You remember when we went through um, and we talked about correction? That was one of the things that we said. This is a training process with your children. That's exactly what God does with us. And so it's important for us to, in training to help them understand why we want them to do this. Okay? It's not just an issue of obedience. Obedience is important, but remember we're training. Give few uh, explanation for their rigid rules. They tend to be very unbending. They tend to be unbending. It really is their way or the highway. They're, they're not going to change. They also demand, the next thing is they demand that their children stay away from activities because of their parents' convictions. Okay? Parents have a conviction about something, and um, so they demand that they stay away from whatever that activity is. Here's a key question. I hope you never forget the answers to this. What's the difference between a conviction and a preference? The difference between a conviction and a preference. And this is huge when you're raising kids. Any ideas? One is by the Lord. Okay. All right. Other thoughts? Do you want your children to grow up 
to have strong convictions about certain things? Thank you. Yes. 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 You certainly do. Um, let's just take the example of purity. All right. You're raising your kids. You want you want your daughters to have a real conviction to stay pure and to be able to be pure on, on their wedding night, right? Um, what, what is going to make that a conviction rather than a preference when they meet who they think is Mr. Right and they decide that, well, maybe they're going to get married anyway. That's one reason I don't like long engagements. The temptation is is really strong there. So why are they going to stay? Why are they going to stay pure? Are they going to? Is it because of a conviction, or when the when the urge gets so strong that they're willing to set that conviction aside and do something that they shouldn't be doing? Is that still a conviction? No, at that point, it's a preference. So what's the difference? What's the difference between a conviction and a preference? And this is huge. A conviction is something that holds on to you. Okay? It's something that holds on to you. A preference is something that you hold on to until, until you get to the point that you're willing to let go of it and to be able and do something that you really shouldn't be doing. One holds on to you, the other is something that you hold on to until um, you think it's probably okay to let go of that. So here's here's kind of the problem with the dominant or the authoritarian parent. They um, they demand that their children stay away from those activities that the parents have a conviction about. But unfortunately, a lot of times, those, those kids, they've not developed their own set of convictions. Okay, Any questions about that? Kind of seeing kind of a blank look on your faces. Yes? Yes, absolutely. I do. I do. And they've not been brought along to understand that. And so they never they never develop those convictions themselves. Yeah. I think it's really important for us to make sure our kids understand that who they hang around with, did we talk about that last time? Who they hang around with has tremendous impact on them. Did we talk a little bit about, okay. So I have one child, I have to be careful, I have two of my kids in this class. I have one of my kids that um, was hanging around with with some 
some friends that we didn't think were really wholesome. And um, <clears throat> and I was grilling, and I was trying to figure out how to get him, okay, it's not you girls, <laughs> uh, trying to get this message across to him. And, you know, there are, the, there are those times when God just gives you an idea and you can't take credit for it. But I'm grilling, and I've got a bag of charcoal there. And, I, and I'm trying to get this message across. And so I said, I need some more charcoal, but I need the charcoal that's on the bottom of the bag. And he looked at me like, what? I said, just do it. And he reached into the bag, and he went all the way to the bottom of the bag, and he got a handful of the charcoal, brought it out, and he gave it to me. And I put it on the fire. And I said, what's all over your arm? Because he had to go to the bottom of the bag. And he goes, well, duh, charcoal. And, I, and that was my opportunity to say, what you're around rubs off on you and will have an effect on you. And so at that point, I think he began, he began to understand exactly what I was saying. Sometimes you have to paint pictures for your kids. Okay. Yes. So how do you, so say you've grown up with parents who are authoritarian. Yeah. And you realize as you get into your marriage and into adulthood that what you thought were convictions on their part were actually preferences that weren't actually biblically sound. Because you see them giving in to things? Well, because you, you begin to explore scripture for yourself and you realize that mom and dad just wanted a reason to not do something, and so it was a preference, not a conviction. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that, that our generation deals with is resentment in those situations sometimes. How should we think about that as we have a relationship with our parents, but also how should we process that and how we teach our kids? I think what you do is um, in a in a in an appropriate way. You may, if you need to be able to share some things with your parents, share with them that your that your conviction or your stand on whatever the issue is now is from God's word, and you can even share that with them, not in a preaching, not in a teaching way. But in well, for for us, for me, you know, this is this is the tra this is the road that I've traveled, and here's where I am today, and it's according to God's word. Let God's word stand on its own. Okay. Now, with respect to your children today, like with your girls, um, why do you feel the way? Ask this question: Why do you feel the way that you feel about that issue? Is it is it because um, is it because of what you've gotten from your your parents, or is it what you've got from God's word? And whichever it is, you probably need to sort that out as mom and dad, and make sure is this a real conviction based on the word of God, or is this a preference? Um, and it's amazing how much we pick up from our parents and we don't even know it you know I mean 
from not only our stand on on things, um, you know, like purity and you know all of that kind of stuff, but even little simple things. For example, um, I was in the kitchen. I can't remember what I was cooking, but I noticed this last week. Anytime I take a pan out of the cupboard and I'm going to use it to cook something, I always rinse it out. Rinse it out with water. You know why I do that? Because my mom did that. Now, it's not dirty. It's clean. It's come out of the dishwasher. I do that because I watched my mom do that. Do you girls do that? Do you do that? So my girls do that because they've seen me do that because I've seen my mom do that. Why did my mom do that? Gusbo. <laughs> no. Wow, Nick. Nick, you're a lot older than you think you are. I'm not that old. Because my grandmother did that, and I remember her doing it. <laughs> Maybe the dust bowl. I, I'm not sure. There you go. So grandma did it. Mom did it. I did it. My girls do that. You know, we pick up things, and um, it's just amazing. Okay, did, did I answer? I mean, I would really go back to God's Word. And, and again, not in a preaching, teaching way, but share <clears throat> with them how you came to the point that you're at in your life. Okay, the next thing is they, they generally give out harsh punishment. Harsh punishment. I think I was probably five years old and um, and I can't remember what I did wrong but I lost I could not have sweets anything sweet for a month when you're five years old I see your eyes going back uh, going up back there Deidre uh, who makes candy and cookies and stuff yeah that's harsh for a five-year-old I couldn't have anything sweet for a month so I go to my cousin's birthday party and my mom, who wasn't even thinking, brought me a piece of my cousin's birthday cake. What do you think I did with that? Huh? I ate it. My mom gave it to me. I ate it. And on the way home, my dad says, I'm like, we're two, two weeks into this. And my dad goes, Okay, your month just started over. What? Yeah, you ate that birthday cake. 
I'm five years old. That was rough. They often give out harsh, I mean, really harsh punishment. Um, and maybe you experience some of that. Uh, and the last thing I have is they, they generally produce negative qualities in their children. Okay? So, kind of a, maybe on the back of your sheet, you may want to put down some of the results of this type of parenting. Um, this is what you can expect if you're that kind of parent. Uh, because children never learn the why of rules, they often sneak around and they participate in forbidden activities. Okay? They respond out of sneakiness. And by the way, as, as I share these things with you, you know God can undo a lot of this as God moves and changes a person's heart. The next thing I have down is we, we would see this. And by the way, Shadow Mountain Institute was a locked facility where children were brought and were, where we used to work. Um, and we and we would work with those kids oftentimes up to a year trying to help them. This next thing was a reality that we saw a great deal of. These children generally have the highest aggression. So if we had a kid that was checked into Shadow Mountain and they were really aggressive, we pretty much knew uh, from the get-go what their parents probably were like. They were probably the dominant or the, uh, the authoritarian type of parent. Usually they have the highest aggression and unfortunately, unless God gets involved in, in their lives, it usually lasts a lifetime and it often leads to major violence. Next thing is because of the harsh punishment and rejection that this child feels under this kind of um, parenting, that often leads to aggressive behavior. And just kind of as a side note, what we also saw was that there were generally three major causes of um, admission into the latency and, and adolescent psych hospitals like where we worked. Um, and the three, three causes generally were aggression, drug abuse, and self-destruction. And you've not lived until you've had a little five-year-old that came in with rope burns under around his neck because he tried to commit suicide. And he very much had this type of a parent, the dominant parent. A five-year-old should not be dealing with issues of suicide. But self-destruction was one of those things that we saw. Any questions about the dominant or the um, authoritarian parent? Are some of you in here thinking back and you're thinking, well, maybe one or both of my parents, maybe that was their parenting style. Yeah. But again, let me just say, um, if that was your situation, 
That doesn't mean that you have to camp there, that you have to stay there, that you have to have those consequences, those type of results in your life because, because 2 Corinthians 5.17, anybody in here know that verse? Somebody share that if you know it. You get, extra, you get a gold star if you can share that verse. Jonathan? Yes, a new creation. So God can begin anew um, regardless of what your parenting was like. Okay, let's move on to the neglectful, the neglectful parent. Characteristics of a neglectful parent is that they, number one, they lack loving support of their children. They're just not there to love and support them. The next thing that we see is that they, um, because they, they're pretty much kind of checked out, no support of their children, they also lack control of their children. Have you ever, have you ever seen a kid that was just... Now, I, let me just say, Every kid has their moment. But I'm talking about a kid that actually, they have no, no self-control. I mean, they are just, they're way, they're way gone, okay? Have you ever noticed that kind of kid? Do you know anybody that has those type of children? Okay. So that's, that's, that's really one of the characteristics. They lack control of their children. The next thing is, they display an uncaring attitude toward their children. They could care less. And some of you in here are shaking your head because you know, or at least you've seen something like that. I think the next thing is they often appear immature. They lash out at their children when they are pushed or irritated. Okay? So it's more about the parents than it is this training issue uh, of their children. And when they get their button pushed, you see them just go crazy. I saw a lady in the, in the grocery store one day just come totally unglued with her kid. Um, and I just, <clears throat> I, I wanted to step in, but it really was, it was not my place because she wasn't physically hurting the kid. But actually the kid, the child, was actually acting more mature than the mama was. Um, another characteristic is they isolate themselves from their children, especially with babysitters or leaving them alone. This next one um, is that children are viewed as a bother. Ever heard this phrase? Children are to be seen and not heard. That's where this comes in. I love the scene in, what's the movie, Snowball Express? Snowball Express, there is a great scene in that movie. If you haven't watched that movie, you need to, it's a really good, clean movie. But 
they, the, this family has inherited this hotel in Colorado, Silver Springs, Colorado, okay? And they, they own this mountain, and they want to set up a ski lake. Anybody in here seen that movie? Huh? Okay. So they want to set up a, a ski a resort area, <clears throat> and they have a thing called a donkey engine. <clears throat> and um, it's a donkey engine that they're going to use to pull people up, to take them up the mountain so they can ski down. And so this little boy, they, they can't figure out how they get this donkey engine up the mountain. And this little boy is trying to explain to his dad, he knows how they can do that. And he, his thinking is, if a donkey engine can pull people up the mountain, why couldn't they take a cable and hook it up the mountain and let it pull itself up the mountain? And he tries through the whole, almost half the movie to explain to his dad and to talk to his dad. And his dad won't listen because children are to be seen and not heard, right? And finally, his dad exhausts all of his thinking and his ideas, and he finally listens to his son who has the solution. And that's how they get the donkey engine up the mountain. They believe that children are to be, they're viewed really as a bother. They are to, see, to be seen but not heard and listened to. Um, so, so when they try to talk, that's kind of squelched. Okay? Now, I don't know if you've experienced that, <clears throat> but I made good money on this. Because when we would get together, my mom would give me a silver dollar to be quiet. I made great money doing that. I just wish I'd kept those silver dollars because they're worth $25 now. Uh, the last one that I have is they are not at home even when they're at home. These parents are, have checked out. So um, so what are some of the results? What do we see with them? The interesting thing is um, <clears throat> these, <clears throat> these children, because of um, because there's really not a strong connection with their parents, we see that um, there is no accountability. And we also see that suicide rates among these children um, is generally triple what it would be among other children. They, they often experience <clears throat> emotional loss similar to that of, of losing a parent through death because guess what? The parents have checked out and they're just not, they're just not there. They're not at home, even when they are at home. Any questions about that? Okay, any questions about either of these two that we, that we went over? Anybody in here 
see where maybe one or maybe both of your parents fits either in, in the dominant or the neglectful? Can you see that? Some of you are shaking your heads, okay. Well, what we'll do is next week we will wrap this area up because we need to look at the permissive and the um, authoritative parent. And um, I think you'll be able to breathe a little more of a sigh of relief as we begin to look at those, those types of parents as well. The challenge again is, as you read through Scripture in your quiet time, see if you can pick out parents that fit into these categories. Or, as you read about parents, figure out which of these categories they do fit in. Okay? And we'll continue next week if that's, that's okay with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Married Now What podcast is a ministry of Evergreen Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and is meant to be a resource for in-depth Bible study for couples striving to build their lives on the truth of God's Word. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org. I've tried.